0: Father, thank you so much for a beautiful day. Uh, thank you for all these amazing people. Uh, Father, I, I, I had this thought um, man, in the back we're worshiping God. Everyone is here today, not by accident. Lord, this may be the only time they're here. This may be a one and done. This, this may be the beginning of something long-term. It, it doesn't matter. It could be you know, members that are here today that think they could, would be here, the people watching home. God, you have a purpose for that. And I don't pretend to know what that is, but I ask, Father, we ask humbly, um, invite you to fulfill that purpose for these people, Lord, that their their hearts would be open to that, whatever it may be. Um, man, that that hearts would be healed, um, that condemnation and shame would be washed away, that fear would be crushed, uh, Lord, that joy would be full, all those beautiful things that you promised to your people. Lord, I pray that if, if and I, I'm sure there are people in this room that, haven't truly entered into a relationship with you, Lord, whether it's they think uh, they're too smart for it, sometimes we can be fooled into that, or whether it's hurt or distraction, God, I pray today would be the day that they see clearly the truth and uh, respond to you. Father, I don't take for granted that I get to stand up here. I I genuinely know I'm not worthy, but I thank you, and I ask that you would help me to preach your word, uh, and that I wouldn't get in the way, and I'll give you all the glory. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. How you guys doing today? <laughs> Great. Well, I'm Todd. I'm the pastor here. That was better than the first time. Welcome to The Remnant. If uh, it's your first time you haven't been in a while, we are in the midst. And by midst, I mean the second week of a series called Living with Purpose. Look at that. Um, And essentially what it is, and we talked about this last week, is living with purpose means more than existing. More than existing. We talked about last week this idea that a lot of us, most of us, many of us live our lives kind of like in a cubicle. I think of you know the, the movies and TV shows where someone walks in and they've got that that flickering pale office light and everything's bathed in it and everyone goes in their little cubicle and they type and they tap and they go home and they eat and they rinse and repeat and do it again. And listen, there's nothing wrong with working in a cubicle, but the point is life has to be more than that, right? It has to be. And a lot of times in Christianity, even for Christians, what church and Christian life becomes is just another set of things to do within the cubicle. We do them because we're supposed to, but it doesn't feel alive, and we keep moving because we don't want to slow down enough to recognize that. What does it mean to live with purpose, to live life and not just exist, to live like a verb? And I'm kind of obsessed with that the past year, and uh, you'll hear this a lot, and, and this isn't necessarily Well, I guess so. I've been... A lot of times we're afraid to hold God to His promises. God made His promises. How small is He when we're afraid to hold Him to it because, what, you've been told that's arrogant. He said it. Faith is believing that He's going to do what He said He's going to do, right? And when I look in the Bible and I see these promises, if I lived out of that, it would make my life feel like more than a cubicle. So last week we talked about some hindrances to living life with purpose, to actually doing more than existing, to doing more than eating, breathing, sleeping, eating, breathing, sleeping, eating, breathing, sleeping, maybe I'll exercise, feel a little better, eating, breathing, sleep, over and over and over again. So today we're going to talk about, we, we looked at hindrances, now we're going to talk about some things we can do to live with purpose that God tells us. I'm going to show you a picture, I know you love pictures. Look at that picture. What color are those strawberries? Red, red, right? Any other color anyone suggests? Pink, white, okay. Raise your hand if you think they're red, if they're red, the strawberries are red. Raise your hand if you're too afraid to raise your hand. (laughs) I like the honesty and then a bunch of fibbers. But here's the deal. Yeah, it, it looks red, right? Here's the thing. The color red has actually been completely removed from this picture. The color red is not in this picture. Tricked you. You don't believe me. I will prove it to you. Right? I can't right now. You used to have to take my word for it. But the color red is not in this picture. Why? Yet yeah, we all see, me too, I'm looking right now back there, there's a TV and it looks red to me. Yeah, it looks a little washed out, but it's red. Why is that? It's due to the fact that our thoughts, our knowledge, and our past experiences help us interpret reality. So because our minds know and have seen strawberries and know that they're red, it automatically ignores all the, the noise and sees What we see is reality. Make sense? So in this case, our brain is smart enough to know that the color of the object, right, to help us understand, this is kind of deep, the color of strawberries is more important than all of the noise in this picture because it helps us interpret what that is, right? If you didn't know, if our brains didn't tell you that was red, you wouldn't necessarily know those are strawberries. They look like little mountains or something. (laughs) You know what I mean? So our mind says, in order to know these are strawberries, we're going to ignore all the rest. We're going to inject color into it. Isn't that crazy? You don't believe me, Jill. I can see it in your face. Look it up. Science. Since our mind recognizes that strawberries are supposed to be red, we tend to ignore all the other unnecessary information. The light source that caused the change in color, etc. So our brain's going to automatically color correct the gray and green pixels to be red. It's wild, isn't it? I know some of you are doing what I did and trying to unsee the red. I did the same thing. I'm like, I'm going to shut it off. (laughs) I got halfway there. So, because of that, yeah, we can see them as red, even though I'm honestly, you can look it up, Google, Google strawberry picture perception, okay? It'll pull this up. There is no color red, yet you see red. Our minds change perception based on our experiences and, you ready? What we want to be true, right? We'll see. Sometimes it's Amen. The ability, so what's the definition of perception? The ability to see, hear, or become aware of something through our senses. That's one of the definitions, right? This is here. I can feel it, see it, touch it. I'm not going to taste it, but I'm sure it's here. <clears throat> that would have been, a, like I would have gotten your attention if I had licked that. I should have done it. All right? It's also a way of regarding, here's another definition, understanding or interpreting something. A mental impression. Interpreting what? Life. It's a way of regarding, understanding, or interpreting life, becoming aware. It's, it's our awareness of, of life, of what's around us. That's perception. Now, when you look in psychology, right, we've got the scientific. I know I'm boring some of you. Some of you are excited because you like this stuff. We have got the science of perception, and then there's the psychology of perception that says how I perceive things can be affected, just like the strawberries, by what? Well, by attitudes, by motivations, by expectations. A lot of Asians here. Right? Behaviors and interests. All of those things can affect how we see life and how aware we are of circumstances in life. Right? Have you ever heard different versions of it, but perception dictates reality? You ever heard of that before? Here's the thing. This is important. As we continue over the next few weeks to try to learn how to actually live life. And if some of you don't, if you're if you're not. When I say that, if you're like, oh, here's a life thing, you're not thinking. You're not. I'm going to make you mad because I know for a fact you live in the cubicle sometimes. Here's how I know you look around and go, how am I the age I am when I remember I was 18 yesterday? What happened all those years? What happened? Now, time's funny anyway, but how many days do we waste just existing? And when I look in the Bible and I see the church and Acts and I see the apostles and all that, I see what? I see people alive. When I look at our modern church, and I'm talking to myself too, I don't see a bunch of alive people. I see typically one of two things people who get really excited and emotional on Sundays and don't live it the rest of the week, or religious people who are already mad because what? Maybe the music was too loud today? Maybe the pastor's not wearing a suit and a tie? Is that you? What's your perception? I only got one chance to offend you. It might be your first. So there we go. So as we're trying to continue to learn from God how to live outside the cubicle and live a life of meaning and purpose, we're going to realize that we need to have perception in life. We have to see reality instead of, ready? We have to see reality instead of interpret reality. I'm being deep today. I think you're smart. See, there's reality, and then there's the way we perceive life. They're not always the same thing. The same thing happens in our faith. What's important, who's important, and what our life should be about. That's the crux of it all, right? Who's important, what's important, and what is your life about? What's my life about? Well, the Bible shows us that God's desire for our life, meaning that old question, the meaning of life, hasn't changed from the Old Testament to the New that he has very specific things that he says, you want to feel alive? I made you. I know what your purpose is. I'm going to tell you how. Now, here's the thing. Are you willing to perceive reality, which means even today, if you don't like the pastor, don't like the music, whatever, this year, you're never going to come again, right? Or members, you're like, oh, this is just Todd doing it over and over and over again, right? You can perceive that, or you can choose to believe that the living God is speaking today and has something for you. It's your choice. Perception matters, we need to change our perception of life if we want to live life and not breathe, not just exist. Your perception has to change. Remember the definition of that. How aware you are of things and how you see things. So let's talk about this today. We're going to start in the Old Testament because I want to prove this to you. I've got two sections, Old Testament and New. And we're going to look in the book of Micah. You don't hear about that a lot. Cool name though, Micah. And then this, who is Micah? Here's the gist of it. As usual, Israel had been disobedient. God's chosen people, they had been doing things they shouldn't have been doing, shouldn't been, should not have been doing. And because of that, he sends a prophet to, tell, to speak for him and essentially declare judgment. And it's, it's, there's some scary stuff. And in this book, he says, he kind of lays out his charges. God lays out his charges. Here, he doesn't just punish. He doesn't just discipline. He says, I'm going to tell you what you've done. I'm going to show you how you haven't followed and trusted. So he lays out his case, and then he tells them the outcome of this, which are these outside armies are going to come in, and they're going to oppress them. But here's the thing. As usual, God gives hope because he says, this will happen only for a time because I'm going to keep my promise to you even though you haven't kept your promise to me. Before all of that, in the midst of all of this, we get something very, very powerful and very, very simple about life. So if you're going to zone out the rest of the time, pay attention to this part. <laughs> got some people going. Okay, I got to listen. Stay with me here because this is so important. So Micah chapter six verses six through eight. and I'm reading from the ESV. It'll be on the screen. So this is God, right? And Micah and coming back and forth, and there's sort of this conversation. So Micah's saying to them, he's, they're talking back and forth. He says, "What shall I come? What with? What shall I come before the Lord? And bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before Him with burnt offerings?" With calves a year old, by the way, a calf that's a year old is very valuable. So he's saying, should I come with a valuable uh, offering? Is that how I'm supposed to come to him? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Let me change that for a second for you. With thousands of Lamborghinis, with thousands of, of with millions of dollars? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, my sin, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? And then we get the answer. Do I need to do this and this to come before you to make things right? Do I need to give up my son? Huh. He says this He has told you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? Do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly before your God. There's some of us in this room, maybe here, controller, right? We don't like that. It'd be nice to bring the cars. Here, I'll give you. I'll give you because we're in control of that. You see what I'm saying? Like, I can bring my offering and know I'm good. Here's my ram. Here's my calf. And God says, no, no. All of that, to me, I don't want that. What I want, what the heart of what I want is very simple. I've told you what I want. Do justice, love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Who's the only just person? Truly just. God. Right? God is the only good, fully good, fully holy, has the wisdom, has the knowledge to always know what is just, right? What is good. What is fair. So to do justice, who can tell us how to do justice? God. Do justice. Now see, in our modern culture, there's a lot of people, right? Let's just use the term social justice warrior. So we're like, hey, we got that. We've got justice down, but no, you don't because see, you're not just doing justice. I'm gonna show you how then you're not do- when you do that, you're not doing the rest of this. When you to become judge, jury, and executioner, When you become the punisher, when you become the one who can determine and destroy and cancel and hurt and tear down and all those things, guess what you're not doing? You're not loving kindness and you're not walking humbly with your God, right? All you've done is throw away two to uplift one. What happens if you get rid of justice and you get rid of humility and just have kindness? Well, then you have people that are saying, do whatever you want, right? Do whatever you want. Get rid of justice and get rid of kindness and walk humbly with your God. Can you even do that? You can't be humble and not seek justice, and not love, you can't be. It's impossible. Taking away any one of these leaves your life lacking. So we'll come back to that, because it's kind of broad, right? Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God. This is the time. Do I I connect this to us now by offending again? Because I don't want to. But I know that people are in this room that do that. Because most of us, every Christian is going to say, well, I do all of that. Mm. Kindness is not the same thing as love. Because it's differentiated in the Bible, right? Lionheart guys, we talked about this. we were in the midst of that, right? <clears throat> Kindness is different. Kindness is love in action. It's caring about making someone how, how someone feels, meeting a need. Usually involves discomfort for yourself. What about when you're tired and someone needs to talk? But you got to be responsible, right? You got a job. Is that kind? Is that loving kindness? Someone needs gas and that's your Taco Bell money? Is that, is that loving kindness? Some, you hurt someone and the first thing you want to do is make sure everybody knows that you didn't mean to and you didn't, you know, or you, you crash into a car and you're like, hey, it's not my fault, it's not my fault, right? Is that loving kindness? Kindness means making it about everyone but yourself, walking humbly with your God. By the way, I'm guilty of all of these, of not doing these at times, but but let's just call it what it is. We live in a culture that doesn't walk humbly with our God. We go to church when we we want to go to church, we read the Bible when we want to read the Bible, we worship when we feel like worshiping. None of that is humility before God. None of it. We live in a culture that our perception is primarily in, in faith motivated by our emotional desires. I will read and pray and worship and go to church when I feel like it, and when I don't feel like it, I won't. So then, who are you really worshiping? It's not Christianity, it's Toddianity, <laughs> or whatever it is for you. Because sin is in us, and we'll talk about that later, we have a natural proclivity to not do these things. It's in us. It takes action to not do it. Stop waiting for God to make you do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. Quit waiting for this this to happen and you naturally want to do it because it's going to take work to get to the place where that naturally begins to happen. Your flesh wants to do things that are contrary to God. What's the flesh? That's that old you, the parts you don't want to admit are there. So I'm going to jump all the way to Romans. Stay with me. This is the Apostle Paul talking to the church in Rome. We kind of have a similar situation in the sense of in Rome, Rome, Rome is the book of Romans is, is us. You got these churches in Rome. When he says the church, he's talking about all the Christians, and they're in this big, you know, metropolis that is um, <laughs> that is how do I say is is filled with debauchery. It's filled with all kinds of different religions, idolatry. The culture of Rome is the complete antithesis opposite of christ and christianity and you have this small group living within that culture and paul's essentially saying you can't allow that culture to affect you you have to be so firm in the faith that you can't help but affect the culture it's hard friends listen you can't be cool all the time you can't be the cool christian all the time and follow jesus you can't do it it's impossible and if you are, if you're the one that thinks that because everyone likes you all the time, that you're following Jesus, go read how they treated Jesus. We don't get rid, you know, we, we highlight love at the expense of truth. Right? But it's not love. Sure, feel free to walk off that cliff because you want to. You'll like me, but you'll die. That's okay. Anyway, <laughs> mini-sermon within the sermon. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and then we're going to jump. But we're going to look at this whole section. So you're going to get a lot of scripture here. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. What book are we in? I just see if you're listening. Just seeing. Right? i got to get a squirt gun. David, make a note. Squirt gun next week. <clears throat> People love squirt guns. Um, verses 1. This is the Apostle Paul. He said, and I'm reading the ESV, uh, whatever version you want, but... I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So what's your spiritual worship? Presenting your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So he starts off, and this is important, he says... Brothers, in the midst of this world, in the midst of Rome, go to the beginning. Thanks. I appeal to you, therefore, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. He's saying, listen, you need to present your bodies. You think he just means me just laying here in my body? Flop it around? No. Body is my life. Yes, that's what I do with my body, but it's not just... It's not just sexual. It's not just financial. It's everything I do with this body. every From the moment I wake up to the moment I go to sleep and everything in between, what I do is sacrifice and worship to God. Not the Rams. Not the money. Not the Lamborghinis. Not the calf. My life shows the level of sacrifice and worship that I offer God. And then he says, this is interesting, right after that, he gives the opposite. Do not be conformed to this world. Listen, if you're conforming to this world, you're not worshiping God. You're not sacrificing. You're not offering a sacrifice. But be transformed. So don't conform. Be transformed. There's a rap song in there, right? (laughs) Really corny one. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Renewal means it's something you do over and over. Well, how do we renew our mind? You have to detest—not detest—that was not the right word. Testing what and discern what the will of God is was good and acceptable and perfect. There are only two ways to know what the will of God is. One trumps the other. One is the Holy Spirit that flows through you, and we test that right against Scripture. Some of y'all think that what you feel because that feels good, right? The Holy Spirit does direct us, but any time it tells you that that feeling that you feel tells you to do something that God says not to do or don't do something God says to do, you're not following the Holy Spirit anymore. You're following yourself and your desires. Let's keep going. Verse six. (laughs) Got you. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Yeah, jump down to verse six, All right. Let us then use them. So here's the implication. You know something beautiful? You all have gifts. If you're Christians in this room, you have gifts. You're like, oh, I'm not a Christian. I have gifts. Sure you do, but it's not maximized. And you have gifts you don't even know yet. Because it only happens when you have the Holy Spirit and you're living in that purpose. It like, lights the flame. You all have gifts. And he says, so here we go. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, speaking, calling people out, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, that's passion, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness, Stay with me. I got a point. I know you're like, What's good? we're all over the place. Stay with me. You have these gifts. You have, your, your body's to be a living sacrifice, right? Your life, you've been given these gifts for what purpose? To offer them back to God. By how? By serving each other. You know, the world tells us that our gifts are there to make us money. To get us clout. Right? For me. That's not why you've been given gifts. Verse 9. So he goes on, he tells us, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil. You know what that means? Detest, hate to the point of disgust. What's evil? Let's pause. All oh, you're like, okay, well, I don't rape, I don't pillage, I don't murder, I don't, you know, commit grand larceny. I don't know, but some of you wouldn't even think that's bad. Let me, let me make it simple for you. Evil is anything not of God. It's evil. We don't think that way. Men, when you're not loving your wives, that's evil. Wives, when you don't submit to your husbands, that's evil. It is. How do I know? Because God said it. And if you're in this room and you're guests and you think I'm saying submission means slavery, well, that already tells you, you're, you're, you're perceiving what you want. You don't like me you no know, likey submit. Of course you don't. I don't like lovey, my wifey all the time, right? That's life. We are called to do these things. That's what happens in marriages. Everybody ends up, even in the church, they're like, well, you know, we do it until I don't feel like it anymore. And when you do, like, inevitably, you ain't going to feel like it. You're going to roll over and go, Ugh. every now and then, I'm sorry, that's reality. You don't. If, if you're newly married, you're like, that'll never happen. Well, go ask some of the folks been married 30, 40 years if that's ever happened. That don't mean they don't love them, right? Love is more than an affectionate feeling. How do we know that? How does God love us? How does he love us when he's angry? Love is general. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Well, who knows what's good? God. Love one another with brotherly affection. This was, Let's just talk about within the church. Do you love fellow Christians like they're a brother or sister? I know you. I know we don't. I'm talking as Christians. We don't. That's why we can't even talk to people that go to other churches half the time. We spend more time pointing out everything that's wrong with every other church. Then focusing on the mission. I'm a guy that has no problem. We should be on guard for false teachings, but be careful that you're not slaughtering sheep while looking for goats. Because a lot of you all do that. And by all you all, it might be on the camera. You all delightful people may not do that, but somebody does. Because that's the culture we live in. I had a pastor call me this is not in my notes, over quarantine, called this church. I thought it was really cool. Called the building, never met him. He's a new pastor in town. And I'm not going to say his name, but he's a pastor of a pretty big church, pretty good size. And he says, hey, you know, can I talk to Todd? I actually answered the phone. I was like, hey, it's me. (laughs) I pulled double duty. I was secretary too. And he said, hey, can I, uh," he kind of talks to me. He goes, hey, man, I wanted to call you and encourage you. This is during quarantine. It was a tough time, right? And he asked me if he can pray for me. And I said, absolutely, man. he goes, oh, really? I said, yeah. And, I, and he prayed, and I said, Man, you sounded, you sounded surprised. And he said, You wouldn't believe how many pastors got mad at me when I asked them if I could pray for them. How's that happen? How's that happen? You're not walking humbly with your God. Pastors are just people. Love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. I love this. I'm a competitor, so I like the idea of having to compete to outdo honor. <laughs> I'm going to love you even better, right? You love me? Well, I'm going to outlove you. Somehow I turned that negative. But to me, that's exciting. I'm going to be the most honor giving person in the world. Hey, I said that, competitors, you chumps. I'm going to beat you. I'm going to honor you way better than you honor me every second. You give me a pizza, I'm going to give you a pizza place. You give me a pizza place, I'm going to give you a new house. All right? Oh, you don't think so, Jenny? (laughs) Please don't give me a pizza place. It's going to be, I don't know how I'm going to do it. But anyway. Do not be slothful. That means lazy. Listen, this is important. Do not be slothful in zeal. Oh, boy. For once, Todd gets to talk about passion without it being a bad thing, because passion can be bad. But now I get to talk to you not passionate people. Yes. Listen. He says, do not be lazy in passion. How can you be lazy in passion? Well, you can, right? Don't let that fire die. Well, how does it die? The cubicle not living life, existing, breathing, church becoming, I go to church at 9 a.m., I leave at 10, 15, I go and have some lunch, and then I go home and take a nap, right? And that's every day. If that's you, I wasn't a meaning to offend you, but I'm just saying, right? Routines are nice, but... <clears throat> Tim, you're going to have to get the air going in here. I'm sweating like a madman already. <clears throat> Sorry, unrelated. But then if I start sweating, everybody goes, Todd, you're sweating. I'm like, I know, <clears throat> So, do not be lazy in passion and zeal, but be fervent in spirit. Have energy. Move. Act. You know, I think, okay, serve the Lord. Interesting that it's all connected. If you want to serve the Lord, you can't be lazy in passion. And you can't be lazy in spirit. You can't be, hey, everybody, Christ is king. Can I tell you the gospel? Look how happy it made me. Nobody wants to listen to you, Eeyore, right? I'm just telling you the truth. Rejoice and hope, be patient. Well, I skipped ahead. Do not be slothful. Listen, when you think of, let me, let me put it this a different way. A lot of us... <laughs> This is crazy, man, me being in my early 20s. When I went to the doctor the other week, I don't know why you're laughing, um, and I was talking to him about, I mean, I train really hard. This is a true story. Anybody that knows me, I train hard. I still train like I'm playing pro ball, okay? My body doesn't always want to keep up, but I do. I do train that way. Now, here's what happens, though. It's so funny, man. Why is that funny to you? He literally giggled out loud. Anyway, I work really hard, but yet he's giggling because of what I'm about to say. I don't look like it. So I'm sitting here telling the doctor, I was like, clearly something's going, now, now you're laughing, see, that's the truth. And he's like, I said, why, <laughs> why am I telling you this? A, anyway, we'll get to that. So I asked him why, or asked her why, and she said, she did the, first time I ever had this joke, first time ever. P.S., she's wrong, I'm not middle-aged yet. But she said, you know, it's part of, it's just our age. And I looked at her and I'm going, we're not, uh, we're not the same bracket, Right. <laughs> But the indication was, right, it takes, long story short, it takes work. I can't just say I want to be in shape. As we get older, we can sit here all day long and say, well, I want to be in shape and I want to be healthy, right? But that, you, you can't do that while sitting on the couch going, I'm in shape. I'm exercising. No, you want to get somewhere, you have to move, do Right? You can't be lazy and expect results. And it's the same way with serving God. You, you have to live like it's true. You ha- are A uh, simple question. This could change a lot of your lives. Are you a slave to your emotions or master of them? Here's the reason. Do you ever do what you don't want to do? Some of you go, yes, I do. Okay, do you do it even 50% of the time? Be honest with yourself. Do you do, are you able to do what you don't want to do Don't want to do even fifty percent of the time. Take out work because you're motivated to go to work because they give you money. Do you? Most of us don't. That means what? Well, we've become slothful in zeal. Right. It's hard, and that that you don't think that affects our faith. That mindset. Moving on. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer rejoice in hope be happy excited about the hope you have be patient in tough times i'm in boy i'll tell you that's hard to do isn't it be constant in prayer are you constant in prayer are you just you know i'm i'm in prayer when i feel like praying there we go again somehow we've we've confused faith with religious experience So you pray when you have this big emotional high and you feel like praying, right? Or you have a desperate need. But faith is if you believe God as we said he is and you can have direct access to the creator of the universe, are you only going to pray when you have a religious experience? No, man. You're going to be talking and interacting and asking all the time because he's promised to give it to you. Todd, I prayed and I I didn't get what I asked for. You prayed one time for 30 seconds. And that doesn't mean we beg, right? Sometimes it's getting our heart in the, in the attitude of actually talking and communicating with God and asking. Here's my point, right? There's more action here, isn't there? Rejoice is a verb. Be patient. Verb, right? Verb. Saying, I don't remember what they're called. Be constant. b be, be, be. Be patient. Be constant. Ready? Contribute to the needs of the saints. Contribute. Give to the needs of people. I, I do. I give to the mission, missionary in Guatemala. That's nice. There's nothing wrong with that. What about your neighbor who lost his job? What about the member in the church who's going through a hard time? Let's just start there. because It said the saints. Okay, let's start in the church. Let's not even talk about our neighbor. How often do we help each other, even financially? Well, I gave him a, a cupcake. That's nice. But if they didn't get groceries that week, that cupcake's not going to go very far. Do you contribute to the needs of the saints? Or only when it's convenient. Seek to show hospitality. Are you welcoming? Let's keep going. Bless those who persecute you and do not curse them. (laughs) I don't like that one. (laughs) I do not like being persecuted. And I do not like to bless them when they do it. But then I remember that that's me right before Christ. And sometimes even now I do that. I persecute Christ when I live my life in a way that doesn't reflect I am in him when I make his sacrifice small. I'm nailing nailing that nail in in the cross. Do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. There it is again. Weep with those who weep. You know what that is? That's loving kindness. Can you even be excited for other people or does this make you jealous? Can you weep for those who are sad? Can you enter into the situation? You don't have time though, right? Life, life, life. What is life? If you're laying on your deathbed, If you knew you were going to die tomorrow, you wouldn't care about, I got to get up early in the morning. It wouldn't make you miss out on things. Weep with those who weep. That's so powerful, man. Empathy. Do you do that? Well, I don't know them very well. (laughs) God changed my life. I said all the time that he didn't know me at all just by asking me how I'm doing because he could tell I wasn't doing well. Live in harmony with one another. That's peace. Live in harmony. You think that's easy? You think that's easy, front row guys? I'm just trying to get people's attention. It's not easy. It's not. It's not easy. Right? I'm not easy to get along with, and yet you guys live in harmony with me. Right? And neither are you, by the way. Um, do not be haughty. That means arrogant, but associate with the lowly. Well, I don't hang out with those Christians. <laughs> they play their music too loud. They don't. They wear jeans and tennis shoes. I'm not going to sit next to the visitor that smells bad. You can laugh, it's happened. We can all pick up when people are just going through the motions and when people are welcoming and loving, don't can't we? You think they can't? The lowly changes depending on where you are, doesn't it? I'm pretty lowly to Elon Musk probably. <laughs> who 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 are you? Who who do you make important, just the people that benefit you? See, that's that's why he says that. If you don't associate, if you're arrogant, you don't associate with the lowly, it's, it's because at the end of the day, it doesn't benefit you to associate with them. You're just going to associate with who benefits you. I've been on both sides of that. I've been on the side where people want to be close to me because of what I can give them by who I am. And then when I wasn't on the pedestal anymore, I don't want anything to do with that guy because that might reflect on me. How lowly was Jesus considered? Hmm. <clears throat> Do not be haughty, but associate with the Lord. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Sometimes you can't, right? The People don't want to be peaceful, but do the best you can. Beloved, I love that. He calls these people, I don't know, beloved. We're like, that'd be weird. Never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Who's the ultimate justice giver? God. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. If that's how he says, God says to treat our enemies. These are people who are out to harm us. How do you think you're supposed to treat people in your church, friends, if you're supposed to give them food when they're hungry and drinks when they're thirsty to people that want to harm you, what, would it, what do you think the standard is for your brothers and sisters in Christ? Okay, what do you think the standard is just for neutral people, people like strangers? They're not your enemies, but right. if you treat your enemies this bad, don't you think you should even treat others even better? No? You with me? Is that confusing? Do you live your life that way, though? Do you love kindness? Because you can't be kind if you're not humble. And you can't really give justice if you're unable to be kind because then it just becomes tyranny. There's a lot there, right? It's a big section. And I, and I did it for a couple of reasons. I'm going to give us a list to kind of break it down. But I want you to, to think through a couple of things. I want you to think how all of that at the end of the day fits in do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. Doesn't it? That it all takes action. You have to do it. Quit waiting for it to happen. The word revival gets thrown around in churches all the time. Amen, I love it. It'd be great to see true revival. That means people turning to the Lord in this, in this country. You know what it's going to take? It's going to take Christians that aren't slothful in zeal. It's going to take Christians, right, that do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with their God. The world will know you, ready? Jesus said this, by your love for one another but we think the world's going to know us by how much money we give to them? How much time we give to them? The world? We can't, yes, we're to serve the world, guys, but we we have to serve each other and love each other. Is that what Christianity's characterized by? I've been doing this long enough now that I can tell you what it's characterized by. Let me come in and let me fault find until I find a place that has fewer faults Right? Just, just a little bit fewer. And I'm still going to find fault in it, but I can live with it. Why? Well, it's not lowly enough. It's so I can, that's what church, that's what people argue over silly things, ridiculous things. It all starts with our perception. The church, Christianity, guess what? You're gonna be, it's crazy. It's made up by us. We are Christianity. We. It's so funny, man. When we think of the arrogant Christians, it's always the guy next door, isn't it? the unloving Christian. It's always the one at the other church. It's always the pastor. It's always the place with too loud of music. It's always the place with not hip music. It's always the other place. Really? It's like a bunch of people in a circle. You ever seen that and they're all pointing at each other? We have to get back to the basics if we want to live a life. See, part of the reason life is so meaningless for us is because it's become this, this grotesque thing. Even in Christianity, that's what I'm talking about. In our faith, it's this grotesque thing where we, we do, we definitely do, but we don't do these things. Anytime we do for me, for how I look, for how I'm perceived, we've already missed it. Here's the reality. Life is not about you. I've said this before. I am second. I love those videos, but I've, you know, I think I'm third. God comes first. You come second, I come third. Well, who's going to take care of me? That's the beauty of it. If we're all doing that, you're going to take care of me, aren't you? And overall, God is is sovereign and going to take care of us. But we don't live that way. We weren't raised that way. We weren't taught that way. That takes a shift in perception to understand that life is not about me. Within your family, life's not about you. Within your marriage, life's not about you. Within your friendships, it's not about you. Within your church, it's not, it's not about you. And life becomes pretty empty when all it is is about me because you can't have real relationships then. All you have is RPGs, role-playing games. You just have these things where I'm pretending we're friends, but I'm just, like, have you ever sat and talked to groups of people that claim they're friends? Sometimes I'll hear, and I'm sitting there, and all it is is them talking about themselves back and forth. I got a car yesterday. I got a car yesterday, too. Oh, my job, I got a promotion. I got a promotion yesterday, too. My promotion was bigger than your promotion. (laughs) That's nice. My wife's better looking than yours. You know, that's not what it is, but it goes on and on. It's a ridiculous thing. How does that happen? It happens within church, too, I promise you. I'm not setting myself above that. Clearly, I'm guilty of it, but I don't want to be. And what I've learned in life is when we do what God tells us to do, Life becomes more than breathing. It has purpose. So how do we walk with perception? I was going to put walking tall like the movie, but then I thought people wouldn't get it. So, (laughs) Put a picture of the rock up. It would have been great. Walking with perception. I would have got your attention if the rock was up there. Number one. Well, that's very tiny. Is it tiny on yours? Not so much. Okay. Number one. The way you live your life. The way you live, in all caps, that's an action. The way you live your life is the offering, the sacrifice, and the worship to God. It's not singing loud. It's not, uh, well, that's part of it, right? It's not just the money you give. It's not just the appearance of godliness but denying its power. It is actually the way that you live, the way that you treat others, the way that you carry yourself, the way that your life looks way it really is. The substance of your life is the offering and sacrifice and worship that God wants most of all. That's why Jesus, you know, he's talking to a Samaritan woman and she's telling the differences. He goes, I'm telling you, there will be a time when God's people will, will worship in spirit and truth. It doesn't matter the building you're in, right? It doesn't matter. That's because we are the temples now. The Holy Spirit is in each of us. And the Bible says when we come together, we're like living stones that rebuild the temple, right? That's what it says. Did you know that? Hebrews, look it up. The way you live your life, and you, we've got to start seeing it that way, not just on Sundays, not just when people are looking. Actually, even more so when they're not looking. If I had a camera on your life, all the time, not just at church, not just with your church friends, would I know you're even a Christian? Would I look at you and say, that person is a disciple of Jesus Christ? Would I Would I have any indication? Could I look at your workplace and pick you out because you're so salty, right? You're, you taste different, like it says, that your light is so bright, or would it be the same? I can't tell you that, but if in your heart you know it's not different, you need to change that because that's why your life has no meaning. Jesus says, what use is salt when it's lost its saltiness. I think we intrinsically know that. When we stop being different, we aren't alive. It's like fish on land. We're not meant for that. Number two, offering, sacrifice, worship, God, right? Number two, sacrifice means cost. It will always cost you something to live like God or to, to follow God, to live like Jesus, to be, it will cost you something. Friends, if it's not cost you something, I make a joke about it a lot. If not one person in your life in the last six months hasn't been offended by something you say, you're never speaking truth. Because the truth offends. It just does. Speak truth and love, Todd. You can, I can wrap it up all you want, but you ready? Without Christ, you are going to hell. But God loves you. That's still offensive. Your way is not the way. That's offensive. But hey, God made you. Sacrifice means cost. Giving money, you know, we we can't just give out of what we don't have, Jesus says, right? Come in and you go, well, I have a million dollars and I gave a thousand. That's a lot to old Toddy, right? But that's not a lot to you. It's going to have cost. Number three, God gave you gifts to serve others, not yourself. God gave you gifts to serve others. When you start to live your life that way and you're looking around for opportunities to serve others, your life has more meaning and it's almost impossible to live in the cubicle. It is, because you start seeing outside of the cubicle. When you're in the cubicle, right, it's my pictures, there's my family, even though that's great, I'm not going to serve, and then all of a sudden you're like, hey, what's Bob doing? Why is Bob on the floor, right? Let me get out and go help him up. Does this make sense or did I lose you on the analogy? My point is you have to see outside of yourself. Life has meaning then, right? You were given a task and specially equipped to do it. Do you believe that? Four, how do you walk with perception? Look for need, act in love. You gotta look for it. Wake up every morning, I dare you, and say, God, show me those moments. Don't let me miss the moments where you want me to move and then help me move. Guess what? He's the living God. He still does it. He did it for me this week several times, right? Lionheart Guys, that's our men's group. I've had testimony, of testimony, right? We've asked for it. Raise your hand if you asked for it and God gave you someone, showed you some way, yeah, that's just, look. if you looked around, there's a lot of people. He did it for me too. Do you look for ways to serve? You're like, well, when it comes along, I'll do it. And sometimes you luck out and you feel good about yourself, right? Because there's a homeless person, you feel better, you gave him a sandwich. Do you look for it? Jesus did, didn't he? Jesus looked for opportunities. So look for them and then act. Do something. When you do that, when you shift your perception that life is about looking for those moments, you'll see a lot of them and life becomes an adventure. Number five, look at others situations through God's eyes, not the world's. And I put in parentheses the Bible. You've gotta see things the way God does. I'll give you another thing. I've done this and, and I used to do it every day and it really did help. Pray, I say, God, help me see people the way you do. It's very hard to hate people when you see them the way God does. I knew that I was not doing this anymore when I began to be bitter with jerks. Because I then start to forget all the times I've been a jerk. I'm serious, right? See people and the life in this world. Remember, renew your mind. You have to read the Bible. Guys, if, you haven't, if you're a Christian in the room, you're like, I'm saved. And you haven't read the Bible one time this week. And I know for a fact some of you haven't. I know for a fact. What are you doing? Of course you're not. You're not going gonna to start conforming to this world. It's going to happen. And what, what is the world? It's a cubicle. Interrupted by brief moments of pleasure. That's the world, that's what the world offers. That's not life. Look for situ I mean, look at situations through, look through his lens. Are you willing to do that? Because I just told you, if you just told you, there's my southern it come out, yeehaw. If you were to look at Romans chapter 12 and you just decided this week to sit- write it down, all the things to do, and do those things, you're not gonna have time to be bored. You're not going to have time to live in a cubicle. Do it. I dare you. Number six, don't forget who's who. This is going to help your perception. He's God. You're not. Which means what? Even when it doesn't make sense. For instance, it doesn't make sense for me to bless those who persecute me. To want good for them. Why would God do that? Because that I am the persecutor. I am that without him. He is God, you're not. It doesn't have to make sense to you. Hey, your favorite pastor that makes you feel good about yourself, you know, that isn't teaching truth, he's not God. That book that tells you to live however you want, even if it's contrary to the Bible, that's not God. I'm not God. You're not God. God is God. How many times I see a lot of dudes, okay? I'll talk about guys even in this church. I'm just being real. I know I love the guys in this church, a special group of men. I don't know how many times, though, they're like, yeah, man, I just got to, I'll do it when I'm ready. Okay, God. You're not God. Do what He said to do. Start moving and see what happens because that's when the miracles happen. I always think of that boat. I think he used it last week. Peter's in the boat and Jesus is on water. And he's like, come out to me. And He's like, I'll do it when I feel like it, God. Imagine that. You'll let me walk on water when I feel like it. No, you got to walk. you got to walk. That's faith. Number seven, I'm going to make it simple for you. This is what you leave with today. Your only thing you'll remember. Do, love, walk. Do justice. Do the right thing. Love kindness. Love people. And walk with your God. Walk humbly with your God. If you just do those things this week, make your life about doing and loving and walking. And I promise you, life will start to have purpose. Life will start to be an adventure. Even kids in school, I'm telling you right now, you get to be, I, t- I promise you this day I can say your name, Stephanie. Stephanie, I'm not going to say your last name because... There's a girl named Stephanie I grew up with my entire life. Sold out Christian. She was pretty. She was nice. She was, but she always came off as weird a little bit, right? At the time, I didn't know why. Then later, And now I look back at her, and she had a testimony in my life, even if most of the time it came after I graduated. She was different. You can be different. Do, love, walk. Your perception will change. And life will begin to have meaning and joy and purpose because you can't help but be joyful and at peace when you are walking with your God, doing what your God does. Do you want that? Or do you want to stay in the cubicle? Mm-hmm. All right, that's mopey people anyway. She's so going to come play music. I'm going to get you out of here. But this is called altar. are even in the room? No, I guess we're not doing altar. Weird. Huh. Okay, well, this is what you're going to do today. You get no altar. Uh, listen, what's your perception? All right? What's your perception? Do you need to change it? Stay with me. What's your perception? Do you need to change it? Do you live your life by doing and loving and walking? Or is it about yourself? Is it Really? Are you lying to see if you have the Holy Spirit in the room, you'll, you'll hear it. You'll be like, you'll start to try. Here's a clue. If you're talking yourself out of, no, I do have a good perception, if you're trying to make a case, you don't. That's just your mind, your flesh trying to argue. You want to live a life with purpose. We have to be willing to walk in that purpose, and we have to be willing to do love and walk. Are you willing to do that? Because Jesus was. He was willing to do and love and walk. If you don't know Jesus, guys, here's the simple truth. God made everything perfect and he made us to to live in it. And he said there's one rule. There really is only a rule. I'm God and you're not. I'll tell you what right and wrong is. And we rejected that and we do it every day. And because of that, we're separated from God. We can't be in relationship with him. And because of that, we are guilty before a holy God, we have disobeyed, we have sinned, we've rebelled against the king. We've committed treason. And the penalty for treason is what? Even in this world, death. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The, the wages right, of sin are, is death. So not only are we separated from God and living this cubicle life that has no meaning, but we, have, we don't have any hope. We're dead men walking, we just don't know it yet. But something incredible happened. After years, and we, some of you in the room are still doing this, are trying to make your way to God, trying to be a good person, and you can't, you fail, you can't make your way back to God. God came to us. He invaded this earth. Jesus Christ, God made man. He showed us how to live. You know what he did? He lived his life by doing and loving and walking. He modeled it for us. And then he died on a cross and took the penalty that was made for us. It's a fact. On the third day, he rose from the dead. Over 500 witnesses saw this happen. He lives now, and he offers you in this room today a choice. Continue to live life the way you want in the cubicle, and just know death's waiting for you, true death, or come to the cross. Give him your sin, your brokenness, your rebellion, your evil. He will take that from you. God, forgive me for what I've done. I want the life you offer, Jesus. And in return, he will give you the benefits of his perfect, spotless life. The Bible says if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and was raised from the dead, you will be saved. Period. That's it. You don't have to live in the shame and the fear anymore. It's real.